Welcome to the LifeLinks Leadership Podcast, insight and training from leaders around our network. Here's your host, Ian Bird. Hello, everyone, and welcome to another LifeLinks Leadership Podcast, where we like to chat with leaders within our own network and hear from them regarding their acumen and what God's been doing in their lives. And we're really blessed this time to have Pastor Dallas and Leah Beitler from the Rock Church in Saskatoon, Saskatchewan, Canada. And they have been there since 1994. They're actually part of the plant team that started the church. And then in 2010, they took over as lead pastors and they've been serving ever since. God's doing good things there. We're really excited to have them today. Welcome to the podcast, guys. Thank you. Thanks. Great to be here. And hello to everybody in podcast world. <laughs> That's right. The LifeLinks podcast land. That's right. We're yeah. talking to them today. And uh, we want to chat specifically about the emotional health of a leader. This is a topic I know for Val and me that we're really digging into lately because we've had a number of people around us who are really pushing into some of the resources, Pete Scazzaro, the Emotionally Healthy Leader. And so we've been doing that. But I would have to say that some of the pioneers in this in our own lives is Dallas and Leah. They have talked to us for years. In fact, I got to tell this story and kind of on myself. So a number of years ago, they gave us the book Emotionally Healthy Leader by Pete Scazzaro, which would be a good book to read. I think everyone would agree, right? And I read a little bit of it. But to be honest, I was so emotionally unhealthy that I didn't finish the book. (laughs) (laughs) It sat on my shelf for a long time. Somebody else suggested it here in our network in December. So I was like, oh, I think I have that book. And I pulled it off the shelf and uh, realized I'd only read a bit of it. And then I opened the cover and oh, there it was, Dallas and Leah Beitler. And I'm like, oh, sorry, Dallas and Leah. I never took this seriously. (laughs) So they've been sowing the seed in our life for a while. So I guess what I want to ask you guys is you've had a journey in your own life. I think you had a burnout and you went through some really tough times, which pushed you in to trying to figure out how to become emotionally healthy and how to have longevity in ministry by having good rhythms and good practices. Could you just share with us what happened and, and what that did for you? Yeah, sure. We helped plant the church before we were married and we were married in 96 and, and over the next 15 years had a lot of highs and lows in what ministry was and, and starting things. And we had some great things happen. We had some difficult things happen, but we, as all people do, I guess, brought our our lives with us into marriage and into ministry. When you're not pursuing health or you don't even know that aspect of your discipleship, things started to um, unfold or crumble underneath us. And so in 2010, we became the lead pastors of the church when our, our lead pastor moved on. And, um, we continue to to fall apart, so to speak. Leah will speak for herself, but her health started to fail. And for a long time, I uh, had a, a couple major issues that were affecting my ministry. One was that I was viewing marriage and ministry as opposed to one another. And so I felt ministry was always in competition with my marriage and marriage was always going to try to take me out of ministry, so to speak. And so I was being like a a horrible husband in trying to facilitate and you be this loving guy in the pulpit. And then when you feel your, the, the mindset is that it's family against ministry and ministry against family. And, and, and you're mm-hmm. kind of caught in the middle, you're doing things to so- sabotage both sides of that role. And so 
part of the journey was as we began to crash and, and burn was God dropped a bunch of people in our lives, counselors and key people like Dave and Linda Wells, and people that just began to speak and hear our story and listen and walk alongside. And so one of the counselors that, that we had, Dr. Bruce Pringle, began to talk about my opposition from marriage to ministry and that it's not opposed to each other, but that it's like a three-tier fountain where that top centerpiece is Jesus who flows into us. And then it flows, our ministry actually flows into those closest around us. And it's out of the overflow of how we love and minister to those closest around us is how we're actually supposed to do ministry. And so when that shift began to happen in my life, it began to set things up for this, this push towards emotional health. Part of that journey was landing, um, landing at focus on the families pastor retreat. Mm. And uh, we thought we were going there to get fixed, or I thought we were going there to get fixed. Leah had called the, the pastor helpline to talk about where I was at and how much trouble I was kind of in emotionally and, and frying. And so I'm so grateful as to her. He was starting to cry all the time, as was I. We were just Not crying good. all the time. No, that's bad. Bad yeah. sign. Yeah. And so they said, get him down here as as quick as possible. So we actually were able to get in in September. And I thought we were going there to get diagnosed. We had been given an extra week of holidays in August and thought we'd just get her all wrapped up and packaged up and all be good. And it was a day or two into that retreat when I realized we were just getting diagnosed. We weren't getting fixed. And at the end of that retreat, uh, they handed us emotionally healthy spirituality. And uh, that began the journey into this material that we so highly value. You're going to hear us talk a lot about it. We use the words a lot. We get no kickbacks and no pay, but we love <laughs> Pete and Jerry Scazzaro and their team and what they've put together. It, it saved our life and our marriage and our ministry and our family. So that's why we're big fans, not because it's a curriculum that just works. It's material that actually redefines discipleship. It brings in aspects to discipleship that we have never considered that that weren't inside our Pentecostal paradigms that we grew up in, that still being charismatic and believing in, in the move of the Holy Spirit, we were able to now uh, surrender to him, basically, other aspects of our lives that we were basically trying to hold on to ourselves and get right for him so he could use us. Wow. When all the time he was wanting to invite that part into the conversation and into the relationship so that he would disciple us and heal us in those areas. Wow. And so it's been a painful journey. There was lots of tears, lots of misunderstanding, lots of frustration. But when, as Leah loves to say that she loves the repentance and the conviction that comes, because once you start to taste freedom, it doesn't matter if it's difficult because it's so good and so freeing. I love that. That's so good to hear because yes, sometimes the tough things we face the hard things, we deal with the repentance, you know, that's when the cleansing comes. A couple of things. One, that's the Kareth Retreat Center, right? That's what you're talking about. I, there's just outside Calgary here and Val and I've been there. That's a fantastic focus on the family uh, place. I just mentioned that to anyone listening. That is a great place to go. And the other thing is that whole picture of, of God flowing into us, which flows into those we serve. That's so powerful. I really love that picture. And out of the overflow, right? So if we're not connecting with God and we're not receiving, then we don't have anything to give to others. And that's protecting that connection is the whole point of this really in a big way, right? Is fostering that. So that's awesome. Leah, maybe give us your perspective and what happened. Well, like Dallas said, we're really passionate about it because we hit the wall so hard and I so want to warn people 
from getting to the place that we were because physically, mentally, emotionally, and spiritually, we just crashed. And I am still paying the price of that. We both are paying the price, but physically, I'm still paying the price of that today. And that's 11 years later. Wow. So it it is not easy on your body or your mind to do that, to push it that far. We had missed a lot of signals that Holy Spirit had given us. We had missed a lot of, we were just emotionally shut down. And strangely, your body first is the thing to tell you even before you know what your emotions are. We had so much bad theology intertwined Mm -hmm. with all of these things. So we didn't even think we could burn out because we were just taught that if you're on fire, you'll never burn out for Jesus, right? You'll just be on fire. So I had some faulty thinking in the words of Jerry Scazzaro playing in the back of my mind a lot. And I felt like I was losing everything. So it was a real dark night of the soul for me. Everything turned upside down of my view of the church and my view of ministry, my view of myself my view of God. And for three months, I didn't even pray except for help God. Dallas would pray, but I was just at my brink of, it felt like I was going crazy. Mm. And so I went off work and we, God just is so miraculous in the way that he deals with us. You know, the blessed are the brokenhearted, blessed are the poor in spirit for theirs will be the kingdom. And it's just so true when you're in that broken state that you, that Jesus comes in like a flood and he's so gracious and so, so merciful to help us walk that out, that process out and gently bring us to a place of like conviction and repentance and then healing we just did hours and hours and hours of emotional rehabilitation that we should have done long before, but we had, we had just stuffed it. So I I like that term emotional rehabilitation. We'd often think about physically if we were impaired or had an injury, but often we don't realize how we are emotionally. And the point you're making, I just want to stress this is when you say you don't want to get to the point that you were at, because that's where there can be damage. That's where there can be lasting struggles. You actually want to prevent that. And you want to, it's almost like a car that's not maintained, right? And it breaks down and then you got to fix the motor or replace the motor. But, you know, if you maintain it all along, it runs well. I mean, we're more valuable than cars, but I think that's what you're saying is that's the importance for all of us. We, We can't expect to go 300 and you know, 50,000 miles in ministry, if we're not going to change the oil, and we're not going to do the things in our life, that's going to replenish us and restore us. So that's really powerful story. And I'm really sorry to hear all that you went through. But I know that it's given you a story, and it's given you keys. And so I, I wanted to ask you, what are some of the biggest keys you've discovered to remaining emotionally and spiritually healthy while leading a growing church. I know your church is growing now. I know you've got some good things happening, 
What are some things you've put in place now that you'd say these are the keystone habits that are keeping us on track? I'm going to let Leah start that off, but I just wanted to throw a little shout out to how we got connected with LifeLinks because it was just in that time we were at the Kareth retreat and a month or two later, we, we just showed up. We knew there was a LifeLinks conference happening. Someone had told us we didn't pre-register. We showed up at the hotel and uh, walked into the registration table and the lady was there registering. And then in this, in walks this guy and it was Dave Wells. <laughs> I think in his words, not ours, we, it was when we thanked him after for taking us to the side and, and talking to us over that weekend and in conversations after that, he said it was easy to see because you were bleeding all over the place. And oh. so that uh, LifeLinks accepted us at that point in that conference, we felt loved and accepted and, and we're really grateful and thankful to be a part of, of this network. So yeah, that's powerful. Well, I know Dave and Linda, they are those kind of people and, and it doesn't shock me at all. And, you know, I wanted to say that you guys are a blessing to us. And even today, as we are talking, I think that I've heard you guys speak at uh, one of our pastor's retreats in Saskatchewan, Manitoba um, a few years ago. And I've heard you speak at different things regarding this. And, uh, you know, 2 Corinthians 1, the comfort you've received from God is now comfort you're going to be able to give to others. So I just want to say that as much as you've received from LifeLinks, you are now giving back in big ways. And this is one of those big ways. So thank you so much. Yeah. So Leah. Yeah. It's really our pleasure, truly. Just some of the things that we try to keep at the forefront is, I heard someone the other day describe it this way, is self-awareness. And so you're making like the, the sign of the cross. So the horizontal piece of the cross is self-awareness. And then the God awareness connects right there and it's vertical and that those two things are so key to having connecting and always in functioning, because if we don't have both, then we become dangerous. We just don't know how we're going to react to things. We don't know what our weaknesses are or how to embrace our limits because we don't even know what they should be. And we don't, recognize when we are in trouble or when we're having an allergic reaction or like Pete Scazzaro describes it as an emotional allergy, right? And so when you have that moment of just full out uh, trigger, if you don't know that that is a thing that happens for you, you don't really know how to handle it in those moments and you don't know how to manage it before the Lord. And then that comes to the God awareness. We were really high on our God awareness, really low on our self awareness, Mm -hmm. but that almost canceled out our God awareness because we could not even hear Holy Spirit because we were not able to be that clean enough to hear what he was saying. So it, it was just such a, it's still is mind boggling to me. So so let me just dwell there for just a second, because that's a really important point. So sounds to me like often the problem is self-awareness with leaders. They may feel like they have a high God awareness, but they lose their self-awareness of where they're at, their boundaries, their weaknesses. But then your point is that if we don't handle that properly, it literally erodes our God awareness and we lose that too. So it becomes the foundation of taking down both of those parts of our lives. I just needed to highlight that. I think that's really seminal. That's powerful. 
I, yeah, that, that is our story. That is at the heart of our story. Wow. And that is what we were told by the Focus on the Family Retreat counselors. <laughs> well, that's good. <laughs> Those are two of the things, and I'll let Dallas get into the other things because we, we have many key ingredients. But I'm sure. I think one of the ones, a couple of the ones for me is what they would term as differentiation. When I tell my story or testimony, I say, I, I got a really good theology. It was called good boy theology. And I liked being good because it felt good when people thought I was good. And it led to a high performance approval addiction. And all of a sudden, what I felt comfortable with doing and, and what I thought I should be doing was always an echo chamber with where other people going to be happy with me or, or would other people, people be pleased? Did I do enough? Was I going to be enough? And the challenge of having had this good boy theology that I self-developed somehow is that it backfires because you can never be good enough. You can never do enough. You can never be on your own enough. We need to rest in God. And so the differentiation piece says that you are uh, basically comfortable in your own skin. You are right with God and yourself, and you're able to hold the space that other people step into with you. Wow. And you're, you're not going to... Uh, be totally reactive to them. Your behavior or your reaction isn't going to just mirror what they're saying or not saying that your value and your worth is, is solid and steady, no matter what other people are saying about it. So um, when it comes to issues of, of performance and worth, that was a huge thing. And I'm, I'm still coming out of that a bit and growing in my self self-confidence to be able to be courage, courageous with what God is asking us to do, but it's made huge steps in my leadership that once I get get confident in who God has made me just in my own skin and my own life, then I'm not fearful of people because I can honor and respect them, even if they have a different opinion. And then I can still lead knowing that I, I answer to God and um, not answerable to people, so to speak, but I'm responsible to them. I, I do hold a lot of responsibility, but they, they don't get to call. They don't necessarily call all the shots on what I do or don't do during a given day. No, that, that's powerful. So differentiation is where I can differentiate between my own self-worth, my own self-worth with God and others. It's not dependent on how people treat me. It's not dependent on their reaction. I don't have exactly. to please them and make them happy so that I feel good. I have enough security. I have enough confidence in God's love for me and in who I am as a son or daughter of him that it doesn't matter. I, I don't let that rule me. Now, I can appreciate what you're saying, Dallas. I would have to say in my own life, I'm on that journey too. I've seen a lot of growth in my own life over the years, obviously, but what people think and all those things can weigh on us and we need strength in ourselves. That's really powerful. Thank you. So I guess the question I'd have with that, and I know there's other keys, but what would be something you do to develop that? What are some ways to drill into that part so that differentiation grows, you know, that we're not just what we do. And we're not just ministry where we have our own relationship with God. Yeah, I think one of the things for me was, and Leah will add to this, but one of the pieces for me was starting to listen to the stories and scripts that I would tell myself and vows and agreements that were made. And so there's the whole aspect of confessing my own sin and repenting for the things I've held to. Like I, if, if I'm living in accordance, in accordance to fear and performance approval, that's a sin. That's not faith and trust in God. So I've got to repent of that stuff and ask Jesus to forgive me. But then I also have to 
do the work and ask him to wash me and cleanse me and have that story script changed in my mind. I have to begin to live my life and take steps of faith to live a different life and, and change that pattern. Wow. So that's really capturing, taking captive our thoughts. And, and like you said, those, those scripts, that's powerful. What would you add to that, Leah? I think just the being versus doing evangelicals are really, really high on doing. And it's great because it's, uh, we want to get out there and tell the world about Jesus as, as their only hope and savior. But we, in the process, forget that he's in the process of saving our souls and he's bringing us to a place of a deeper dependence on him. And we need an intimate time daily, as well as monthly, yearly, we need set aside time for that being because we get too driven and we get too thinking that we are holding the whole world in our own hands as if God couldn't do it without us. And I mean, it's That's funny nice. to say really, but at the same time, we sometimes act like we that do. We do. and like, what would they ever do without us? Oh, they would <laughs> never make it. But when you stop and you go away and you see that everybody's fine, everyone is just fine now that we're gone. And, and as we like to now say, like our own church needs breaks from us. <laughs> That's why we have to go away sometimes That's because true. they need breaks from us as the leaders. And we always come back to a more healthy, strengthened place because people step up because people learn how to make mistakes on their own. We don't have to make sure that they don't make every mistake that we made. They actually do meet, need to make some of their own mistakes. No, so crazy. we just started to put more emphasis on being, and that is going back to those scripts. Cause if you have in your head the whole time that you're not worth it and that you're just lazy and that what are people going to think about you if you don't do all these things, then you really aren't differentiated enough to believe that it's only God that we answer to. And we are going to answer. We are going to answer to him about how we ruled our lives and whether we built in rhythms, whether we built in rest and obeyed him because rest was a big part of taking those Israelites out of slavery. They had to relearn how to rest and God got real serious about it. Well, and that's the perfect segue here. Look at you, because my <laughs> next question, I'm sure there's other keys we could talk about, but I do want to make a shift. And when you talk about God teaching the Israelites to rest, we need to talk about Sabbath. And we need to talk about the whole concept because actually I'm mean, in reading Schizero's book, The Emotionally Healthy Leader. One of the things they talk about is how Sabbath and the rest that God instituted was actually a protest against the slavery of Egypt. It was like a direct response. God saying, you were slaves, you were driven, you had no opportunity to rest. You had no right or opportunity or occasion to rest. But now you can rest. And so I want you to rest. And that's kind of a coming aside so that you, you show you're no longer a slave. So in light of that, let me ask you this question. And, and I'll just say this, my wife and I are also 
pushing into Sabbath and looking at what that means for us. And to be honest, realizing we've been pretty cruddy at it for a long time. <laughs> we, we really haven't learned how to take that solid time every week to rest and come apart and really let the Lord fill us. So I want to ask you how important Sabbath is to you and what that even is. What does that look like and, and what are the benefits? Yeah, there's a lot. Just to add one piece to what you just said about pushing back against slavery, it was also setting the Israelites apart because all the nations around them were like hunter-gatherers, right? Like you had to get your food every day and for food to be provided for and just go out and get it and then to not have to go out one day, it was totally rewiring their patterns and their brain and their trust and orientating them towards God. So I use that to say that Sabbath is actually a spiritual warfare issue it's yes. not a tired out pastor issue that you have to uh, relent to if you're gone too far it's actually on the front end of things and maybe it could be even pictured as with the jehoshaphat issue and when the worshipers went before the army if wesley has said work out of rest or if she said that yet the idea of of rest being one of the first gifts god gave man he created man and then the first day that man had a 24-hour period on earth it was the day of rest. That's amazing. And then the, the next days after that became the work of naming the animals. And so I think uh, a reframing of what Sabbath is all about is that it actually pushes back against the, the flesh and the enemy and the warfare. And it sets aside a whole mindset that we trust God. The world goes on with or without us. God works with or without us 24 hours a day. And so it's a, a reframing and a retooling of our heart and mind towards God so that we can actually rest as his children. He will provide. We can trust him first, and then we can trust him to lead and guide and direct us. That's powerful. And that's another picture there that you just mentioned regarding the differentiation and the trust factor, because there's an element of trust in that. They had to trust, yeah. right? And we have to trust. If we're going to take a break, we have to trust that God is still working when we're not and that God will actually, like you said, Leah, the whole world doesn't depend on us. You know, we can actually pause. So what would you have to add to that, Leah, when it comes to Sabbath and some of those things? Yeah, well, we try to structure our Sabbath once a week for the day to include four key things. And one of those is stopping. And Dallas was touching on that. When we stop, we silence the taskmaster in our mind, in our head, right? And we choose to trust God, like you just said. And then we rest. And so rest means not working and doing things that provide restoration to our mind, body, soul, spirit, right? And then contemplation, we always try to include that in whatever form that can look like, but some really set aside time in his word and with him being. And we do that also through nature because we really love to be outside and, and just, it fills our tank. Mm, so, and it speaks Jesus in every way to Church. us. We see God in all of it. And then the fourth thing is delight. So Delight is something that is was just completely foreign to us before we started down this path. But we actually said when we went on our sabbatical in our crisis sabbatical, that we didn't know how to have fun anymore. Mm -hmm. And what were we possibly going to do? We didn't know what to do if we weren't working. Wow. And so it really was like a process of relearning what we loved and what brought us joy. 
And so that's been many years now of us figuring out, you know, these are the things that really bring me joy and that God placed that so deeply in us to have delight that he purposed us to delight in his creation. Like there's a reason why he made such fun things in nature and animals, because it's to bring us delight. And we skip over it all the time. John Eldridge says it like this, that we just are walking down the sidewalk where there's all people around us. And then we see a hundred dollar bill on the sidewalk, but we walk right over it because we don't appreciate beauty when we see it. And that's how valuable beauty should be. That if we stop and take notice and pause that we can be filled up in that way. And it's that valuable. Mm, So good. You know, the points you're mentioning about those elements of a Sabbath break. One of the things that really spoke to me, because I've been reading Scazzaro's book as well, The Emotion of the Leader, he talks about resting from work, both paid and unpaid. And I thought it was interesting because often on a day off, that's where you do all your chores. That's where you do all the, the grunt stuff that you don't have time to do the rest of the time. So we say, yeah, I took a day off, but I was running around all day doing all the the other work that I don't get paid to do. And it wasn't really refreshing. I wasn't delighting mm-hmm. in all that stuff. And so I, I, that really spoke to me, to be honest, that was something that really talked to me about was just really pausing. And he even says in his book, he likes to cut his lawn. To be honest, I don't like cutting my lawn, but he does. And so he does that on his Sabbath because, well, he likes it. It's refreshing. So his point is whatever gives you life, right? Like if doing woodworking or whatever you might do gives you life, then that's great. But you don't want to be doing stuff, you know, that's going to detract. You actually want to do that on other days. And and part of it, and I'll just say this, that Val and I've talked about is then being structured enough and organized enough that you actually do take other times in your week where you do some of those other things, right? We take a day off, which used to be Monday. It's now Friday. We used to take Monday, but then we cram everything into Monday. And so the delight part wasn't there. And we realized, hey, we have to take other times in the week. We can't work so hard that we're, we're not taking times to cover some of those things. So anyway, I just that's, wanted to comment on that. That's really good. That's so important because people do get bogged down in, well, when am I going to do all of my other stuff, right? And uh, one other piece about the Sabbath is we, we try to do a 24-hour period. And so it's not even necessarily that it has to be on one particular day. That's, that's the piece I want to say is that this idea of Sabbath isn't legalistic. And we've been trying to practice this over the last 10 years, and we're trying to grow in it. And we've had little kids during that time and teenage kids. We've had busy seasons where we couldn't take the full 24 hours. We've had to figure out how to incorporate sports into, into that when those are happening those days. So I just want to acknowledge that there's a bunch of questions and that it's not as easy as just saying so, but that there's a lot of people that have worked on it, figured it out, and they're our means and methods. And that if we don't view it as legal, we have friends that start their Sabbath with their little kids by starting their evening meal by lighting a candle and having ice cream that that the little kids (laughs) love Sabbath because it means they get to start their meal with ice cream. So there's, it's supposed to be a party. It's supposed to be delight. It's not about, we grew, we grew up and, and there was, I was around some people that their kids weren't allowed to ride the bikes on Sunday, or you couldn't do this on Sunday um, because that was supposed to be Sabbath rest. And so I just think there should be a lot of 
permission given as to what people wrestle with as to what works for their family and between them and God. I like that. I, I really do. And, and just not being legalistic and not because you can almost go the other way and it makes totally. it all legalistic and it's almost more difficult and not refreshing. So good, you guys. Well, let me just say this just as we kind of begin to, to wrap up. So I mean, there's much more you could say. I know there's all sorts of things that you could share with us, but if somebody was being sparked by even the things that were shared right now, what could be a next step? What would you say to people listening who are like, you know, I'm kind of being stirred by some of this. I realize that, okay, you know what? There are some things I need to deal with and I don't have differentiation in my life like there should be. And I do struggle with Sabbath and I realize that just being is really challenging. What would be some next steps they could take even just to get going? Well, I think one thing that we may not have mentioned is some people think that emotional health is just like acknowledging your feelings and getting really touchy feely all the time. But because it's such a discipleship concept, um, if, if you feel like there's something missing and that you're maybe on the road to some very bad patterns, which is kind of the red flag waving that you need to dig into emotional health, then there's a ton of resources out there, like you mentioned, but more so than that, that just start to acknowledge some of the stuff that's going on under the surface of your life mm -hmm. and get honest with yourself. And even better is to find a trusted person to get honest with and start to look at some of the things that are driving you, your motivations and like, why am I really doing what I'm doing and get off the the hamster wheel for a little bit and allow yourself to just look at what's happening. And if you are, are you enjoying your life? Like, are you doing what God called you to do? God isn't calling us to be these burdened down people or else we don't become a sign and wonder of his love when we are filled to overflowing it just flows and everybody knows how life-giving that is to be yes, around yes. someone who is just gushing with the love of jesus mm. and the the passion that he puts in our hearts but sometimes we got to get rid of some things in order to get that passion back so good leah that's so good so one of the first steps just consider where you're at and assess how am i am i happy do i have peace some what are the red flags in my life that's so good what, what would you say dallas i think i'd want to encourage the listeners that if they're feeling this not to let the enemy heap up condemnation and that at whatever stage they're finding themselves or feeling themselves at that there's been many people at the space and place that they're at. And we want to acknowledge this COVID stuff that we're into this degree now and come through for the last two years. Some stats say that uh, 
there's 20 to 50% of church congregations not coming back into the building yet. And they're calling it the great resignation with how many people in ministry and in the secular world are just resigning because of so frustrated that if this COVID stuff is what has pushed you to the point of recognizing that you need this area of your life to be touched, healed, discipled, to take first steps that a little bit at a time starts to bring freedom at a time. And so to, to read and to pray and to, to talk and to go after it and to be faithful to the journey, even when it feels like you might be bumping your head against a wall, is uh, it's worth the journey because there is freedom that he wants to heal. The emotional health or emotional healthy spirituality, one of the definitions we use and that, that comes from Schizeros is that aspect of just loving well. And so if you recognize that you aren't loving well, you're irritable, you're edgy, you don't have love for people, that's one of those flags that's waving, hey, maybe there's something God wants to touch in my life and heal that's gotten off base with all the pressure and all the division and everything that's going on in the world. We're, we're called to love God, we're called to love others, and we're called to love ourselves. and based on the great commandment. And so we want to make sure that we're putting our heart in a place and doing the work that's necessary so that our heart can be in a place to actually love well. That's fantastic. I really like that. The goal is that our heart would be in a place where we could love well. And of course, as leaders, that's what we're called to do. But I think, yes, we've all been in places at times where like, you know, I'm not feeling the love right now. And I like, again, going back to that whole picture that Leah talked about receiving from God and then I think it was Lee who said that receiving from God, one of you did anyway. And then out of that overflow, we share with others. And so, so powerful. So would you recommend then as a resource, I guess, Emotionally Healthy Spirituality by Pete Scazzaro and probably Emotionally Healthy Leader? There's a number of books. Anything else you'd recommend? Yeah, they have the series Emotionally Healthy Leader. They have a new one out, Emotionally Healthy Discipleship. They're working on Emotionally Healthy Marriage. So there's lots coming there. I would want to say their website is emotionallyhealthy.org. They have a podcast, Emotionally Healthy Leader. It's just all their stuff is really rich. I think Lee and I would agree about John Mark Comer's book, The Ruthless Elimination of Hurry. The Rest of God by Mark Buchanan. I know he's your friend and you interviewed (laughs) him and I love that book. Did listen to God Walk. He's got really good stuff and there's just been a lot of resources that are out there right now. And I'm forgetting the author, author at the moment, but the book Leading on Empty was yeah. even the precursor. Cordero. Cordero. Yeah, Wayne, Wayne Cordero. Cordero. Um, Leading on Empty was even a precursor to this journey and started to provoke and poke some of those areas of our life. Fantastic. And I'm a pretty f- big fan of Kerry Newhoff and his, particularly his blogs. I know he has podcasts too, but I just find one of my wrestles through the emotional health thing was, am I going to be able to grow in my skill and capacity as being a leader, or am I just going to have to get myself right forever? And so the reality is the, the executive piece, the skilled leader piece can go in hand with the emotional health piece. And uh, Kerry Newhoff has a pretty good balance to be able to handle both those things too. Fantastic. Wonderful. Good to have some resources we can can look to. I want to ask you a question and then we'll have you pray. If people want to get a hold of you, maybe they say, boy, I'd like to talk to that couple and just get their thoughts. Is there a way they could email you or what would be best way for them to contact you? Our, our website at the church that has contact stuff, we're the Rock Church Saskatoon. So the website is those initials and the airport code www.trcyxe.ca or you can email Dallas at or Leah at trcyxe.ca. Perfect. Be happy to talk to anyone. 
Awesome. Thank you guys. Fantastic. Boy, this got me going. I mean, I'm just <laughs> encouraged just talking to you. I wonder if you'd pray for us as a network and our leaders, just that God would help us in this area. Yeah, for sure. Thank you, Lord, for um, lifelinks. We are so grateful that you put them in our path. And I know that there are so many people involved now these days that have come out of a lot of stressful times as leaders. And there's been things that we would have never imagined that we would have had to walk through over the last couple of years. And so I, I just pray a special peace and blessing over each leader that's listening over each lifelinks church and God, you have good things in store for us in the future. And we want to submit to whatever that looks like and not allow ourselves to stay in old patterns or stay stuck in those things that we've just covered of the deeper motivations of our hearts and the things that can kind of take us out. So we ask now, Holy Spirit, that you would come and you would convict and you would create in us a clean heart so mm. that we could know you, so that we could know what things you need to remove from our hearts and so that we could be in a new place of freedom and healing and wholeness to continue leading well, to love well. We need you to pour your love over us and so that we can pour it out. And yes. we're just not going to be able to do that without that intimate time with you. So we say thank you for giving resource and giving space and giving permission to rest, yes. to come to you and, and just lay everything down and be your kids and do your will. And we thank you for Ian and Val and pray blessing over them as they're on this journey. And we love you, Jesus. Thank you. Amen. Yes, Lord. And, and as we approach this topic, we also know that we also have an enemy that's fighting against us. And so for mm. anyone today that's uh, feeling heaped up upon or condemnation or accusation against them, mm. we just pray release and freedom in the name of Jesus yes. and, and rebuke the enemy on their yes. behalf. And God, we pray for blessing and refreshment as we come through this time of, of COVID to wherever we're at right now, plus wars that are happening and conversations and opinions all throughout this land. We just ask God that you would help leaders to know how to navigate, that you would give them their, your grace and your love and your wisdom in how to hold the things of the gospel as exalted God, that you would be exalted through it all. And that people of, of a variety of different backgrounds and opinions would be able to love each other well and come together in order to be your voice, your uh, reflection of you and and learn how to love the world yes, and each Lord. other well yes. and so we bless you and praise you in jesus name yeah. amen so good you guys thank you those are great prayers and i know that people will be blessed by that and obviously all the content that you presented today thank you so very much this was an investment in our network and in the our collective emotional health i i honestly believe though that Coming out of this season, I, I do think God wants to take all of us to the next level. And sometimes yeah. we don't see the deficiencies 
unless we go through these hard desert times. And I, I know I've told even our church, as tough as this season is, it's an opportunity because when we get to our extremities and we get to the place where we feel beyond what we can cope with, it often shows us the weaknesses of our life. And if we're willing to say, hey, you know what? I am weak in this area. These are some red flags. Then we can deal with them. And one thing I'd say to everyone, if we go out of this season and we don't press into those things, sometimes it just debates into the background for a while and we'll come around the mountain again. So let's deal with it. Let's push into emotional health. Thanks again to Dallas and Leah Beitler. Really appreciate you guys. Lord bless you. Thanks for being on the podcast. Thanks, Thanks. so much for having us. Mm-hmm. And thanks to everyone who was listening. And we'll be back again with another podcast soon. God bless you all. Thank you for joining us for the LifeLinks Leadership Podcast. If you have any questions or comments, please email us at podcast at lifelinks.org.